Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, at times, the apostles, if you look at the apostles, they seem to have incredible faith. If you were to walk through the Gospels and just read the various stories, these men at times took incredible risks. When they were called by Jesus to follow, they followed. They left their families. They were able and willing at times to trust Jesus. And these men, over time, would in fact change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. But at times, you look at the apostles and it's incredulous, their lack of faith. And sometimes you look at them and say, what boneheads? Jesus even says to them at times, O ye of little faith. And he can't believe, in fact, how they respond to him. And if we think about it, I mean, there are times I look at the apostles and say, you know, if I had seen everything they saw, if I had been with Jesus for that long, would I really have doubted him? Would I really have deserted him? And probably But, I mean, you see these two sides to the apostles come out over and over again in various and sundry ways. But here you have to give them credit. Because it seems that this is early in Jesus' ministry, maybe a few months in, possibly a year, and they're watching Jesus. And they see the incredible power of, and passion that he has for his Father, for the ministry that he does. You see the grace and compassion? They see the grace and compassion of his life? The love that he has for his Father. And his prayer life. And how his life is wholly and completely given over. And when he's finished praying, presumably one morning, we see at different times he prayed. He went off to a lonely place, Mark chapter 1, as it was his practice, his custom. Early in the morning. And they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. We saw it with John the Baptist. We see it with you. We see the power of your lives. Teach us how to pray. They ask to be taught. And you have to give them credit. And the education that they're seeking, by the way, is not your typical education. When we ask someone to teach us, it's not what we're typically asking to be taught. And so Jesus 
in his teaching, gives him this wonderful, powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that down through the ages of the church, over 2,000 years, we see this prayer as part of the life of the church, right? It's something we say every Sunday here at St. Luke's and in many denominations throughout the world. They're saying this prayer every Sunday. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some churches call it the Our Father. And it's a powerful prayer. But the reality is that it's more than just a rote prayer. It's really a rabbi's prayer. It's a prayer that contains so much more than just something that you're meant to pray through quickly. There's powerful teaching in this prayer. And that's why teach us how to pray. There's more to it than just this simple prayer. <clears throat> and some of you would remember this. Some of you weren't around when I did this, but several years ago I actually did a teaching on the Lord's Prayer that lasted six weeks. We took it verse by verse. And as much as I'm tempted this morning to preach on the Lord's Prayer, it would take too long. So I'm not going to preach on the Lord's Prayer this morning. But what I do want to point out is when the apostles were saying, teach us how to pray, the education that they were asking for wasn't typically what we ask for education. It wasn't book learning. It wasn't something to help them to become worldly successful. For fame and fortune. They were asking for something that would change their lives. They were asking for something that would help them draw closer to God. That would become something that would change them from the inside out. That would change their heart and their soul so that their lives would change. That's what they were asking for. Something that would change their character. wasn't just head knowledge they were seeking. So much of education today, when people think education, they want something that's going to matter materially or physically. But Jesus gave them something so much more. And he starts off with a simple line, Father, or as it says in the footnote here, and as it says in Matthew chapter 6, our Father. What he wants to point out right off the bat, we're not praying this lofty prayer, God, that is so far removed, that is so impersonal that you can't relate. In fact, the word Father, many of you know this, is actually the word Abba, which is Daddy. 
Jesus is saying, if you really un- want to understand who God is, or who God is meant to be for your life, He's not meant to be this impersonal force in the universe. Someone who set creation in motion and then removed himself from it. He's meant to be your daddy. Someone that is tender towards you. Someone that you can approach as a child. Someone that wants to have an intimate, caring, loving relationship with you that you can approach with every need. You may not always like the answer. You may not always understand the answer. Much like little children don't. But he's your daddy. In fact, it's one of the reasons why some of the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted to have him killed and accused him of blasphemy. Because when he was saying, Abba, Father, they were saying, that is way too intimate. You can't have that kind of intimate relationship with Yahweh, God. But that's what Jesus was trying to teach. You need to understand what God wants for you. That kind of relationship. That's the access that Jesus brings for us in showing us the depth of the Father's love on the cross. That's why Scripture says God so loves the world that He sent His Son. God is trying to convey this incredible depth of His love. And not only that, that He's good. He's a good Father. Jesus would go on to say, you know, these earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. An earthly father is not going to give you a scorpion or a snake if you need some food. Your father in heaven knows how to give good gifts. In fact, the best. Not just good, the best. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is God with us. The Holy Spirit who is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit who brings the fruit, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. The very presence of God to your life. To indwell you. To give you strength when you're weak. He gives you what's best. Because He loves you. He gives you Himself. That's what Jesus is trying to say here, so you understand. There's a big picture here. And then He goes on to talk about how you don't just pray the Lord's Prayer once. Okay, I got it. I said it. I'm done. I got this. Persistence. That's what he goes on to say. This isn't just a one and done thing. This is meant to be a daily practice of going to the Father in prayer. 
Just like we go to our parents daily for our needs. That if we're really his children and he's really our Abba, that kind of daddy, that we need to go daily to seek him and find him. To get our needs met, to find out what we need to be doing that day as the children. To seek shelter. To seek protection. Whatever we need. And so we need this persistence. And he begins with by using this wonderful parable. And you need to understand, some of you understand this parable, some of you really may not understand, when the guy talks about, first and foremost, a friend arrives at midnight. We talked about last week, for those of you that missed it, about the rules of hospitality in the ancient Near East and in the Near East even today. The rules of hospitality dictate, if you have a friend or family visit, you are supposed to provide for their every need. That's the rules of hospitality. Hospitality is very, very high on their scale. And so this person had no food to feed their friend who arrived at midnight. So what did he do? At midnight, he went to the neighbor's house and banged on the door. Most of us probably wouldn't do that. And in those days, the typical household, it was the family bed. Not only was it the family bed upstairs, the animals were downstairs. This would cause Chaos in the household. The house has now gone crazy because of this friend banging on the door at midnight. Not a pleasant situation. Some households are like this most of the time anyway. But this is a crazy household right now. It's called the parable of importunity. Shameless. Shameless persistence. Now, Jesus was actually trying to be somewhat comical to bring his point across. To make the point of saying, look, see how persistent you would be just to be hospitable to a friend? This is a daddy who loves his children. You know how fathers on earth know how to give good gifts? This is your daddy in heaven who is all-powerful and all-loving. So you need to be persistent to him. Because sometimes he wants to see the depth of your love. He wants to see your sincerity. Sometimes you don't understand the big picture, so you need to keep going to him to find out because you need to be open to his explanation. Sometimes you need to go to him because maybe you don't understand and you just need to be near him so you can trust him. So you can be reassured by him. So you can have the Holy Spirit so you can rest in him. Because you may not get what you want, but you get what you need. See, our problem is, is we want. But it's not always what we need. 
But the persistence will keep us coming back. That's really the key. We understand persistence, don't we? I mean, if, if it's something we really want, we understand persistence. Because some of us are out and out obnoxious if it's something we really want. If we really want to be good at something, musicians, they practice like crazy. Athletes, they practice like crazy. Right now, it's Pokemon. You want those little whatever they are? Those little creatures that turn into something magical? I don't get the whole craze myself. I know it's important to some. Man, the persistence about some of these people, it's unbelievable. I saw a special on the other night where they were begging people to be respectful as they were going to this historic graveyard or cemetery over in Savannah. What if people were that persistent with their children about eternal things? Because we're talking about something that's made up It's a game. There's some good aspects to it because family time, spending time with children, but in the long run, it's not going to matter. What if people cared enough about kids' relationship with the Lord to invest that kind of time? Think about that which we're so persistent about in our lives. That we care that much about in our lives. That we invest that much time and effort and resources in in our lives. That really, in the long run, or in the eternal scheme, don't matter. And that's why the Lord wants us coming back again and again and again. Because it resets our focus to get our eyes fixed on Him. When we spend that time with Him. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit again. When we read His Word again. When we rest in Him again persistence and he promises Jesus said ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find search knock and the door will be open to you as much as he commands us to do those things he promises you will and then with the promise of the good gift If these evil people, evil fathers, people who aren't all that good all the time, know how to give good gifts, your Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. See, the problem is, we don't always recognize the good gift. And that's why we don't always pursue it. That's why what we're persistent about 
and we're trying to seek constantly with our lives. We don't always recognize a good gift. Maybe over time, we'll begin to. Yesterday, this wasn't in the original notes, so if you're looking for it, don't, don't look for it. Yesterday, I was doing some premarital counseling with a kid that I've known for almost his whole life. And um, he and his fiancée were in my office, and we took a break because we were doing a double premarital counseling appointment because he lives out of town now. So we went into the kitchen over there, and there were donuts left over from yesterday. Someone brought them in the office. And he looked at me and said, Mr. Kranz, can I have a donut? I said, sure, you can have a donut. And I looked at him eating this donut and said, I'd like to have a donut. And then I thought, I don't need a donut. I want a donut. I don't need a donut. You know what I mean by that? Yes, everybody's shaking their head. Yes. You know, we used to have a men's Bible study here on Friday mornings years ago. I remember, we used to bring donuts for those. I used to eat two or three donuts at that men's breakfast. I love donuts. (laughs) But here's the conclusion that I came to. I don't need donuts. Understand what I'm saying? As I've gotten older... It's just a lot more difficult to get rid of the donut. (laughs) See the difference between a want and a need? God knows what we need. So I didn't have the donut yesterday. Michael did. He's in his 20s. He can do donuts. God knows what we need. And sometimes He gives us what we want. But what He has in mind for us is not only good gifts, they're the best gifts. That's what he wants for us. Because he loves us. And that's what we sometimes forget. You know, Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, Father, Daddy, Take this cup away. Not my will, but your will be done. See, the problem is, is we don't always have the global picture, the big picture, the eternal picture. And at that moment, Jesus said, you know, I really don't want to do this. But you know what's best for the world? You know what's best for all eternity? Not my will. Your will be done. And later while he's on the cross would say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Daddy, right now, 
I just put my hand in your hand. I put my life in your hand. At this darkest place, this darkest hour. See, because what he's really about is trust. He wants us to trust him no matter what happens. Right before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel, come the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 5 is the Beatitudes. There's a verse that says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's what he wants for us. That when we go to him, that we will see him face to face. That we'll know his presence. That we will trust him. Because he loves us. He's our daddy. So that we persist in seeking him. That we would see him face to face. That intimate, personal relationship. And trust is so difficult for us. You know why? From two onwards, from two years old onward, know my mind. From two onwards, that's why. Trust is so difficult. And we need to trust Him. You know, when, when our son Daniel, Meredith and my, our son Daniel was entering his senior year in high school, Daniel came up to us one evening and he said, you know what I want for my senior year? He said, I want a tattoo. Now, I don't know what your opinion is of tattoos, and that's not why I'm here to debate the uh, worthiness of tattoos. But I said to Daniel, you're not getting a tattoo. I said, you know, tattoos can have a long-term effect, especially when you enter the job market. And I said, you're just not getting a tattoo. So anyway, that conversation died till he was turning 18 in February. Came back and said, you know what I want for my birthday? What do you want, Daniel? A tattoo. Said, you're not getting a tattoo, Daniel. Graduation in May. You know what I want for my graduation present? Tattoo. Yes. That's right. Daniel is persistent. But so is his father. <laughs> Daniel, you're not getting a tattoo. So Daniel says, well, how about if I get a cross? Would that be Okay. You know, Daniel's trying to play the, you know, Christian pastor's son card, you know. If I get a cross, maybe it'd be okay. And I said, you're not getting a tattoo. So he says, well, when can I get a tattoo? And I said, well, let's see. Right now your plan is to go to college. I said, if you weren't going to college and you were going to be working on your own and you were going to be out and had your own place and paying for everything about yourself, you could get a tattoo right now. But since you're going to college... And I'm going to be, you know, paying for your college and you're not going to be out of college for four years. It's going to be after you get out and you're on your own after college. So I guess four years from now. And he said, I might not want one by then. (laughs) 
Go figure, huh? I said, exactly. I said, but in the meantime, until you're paying for everything about your body, your body's mine. Fast forward. It was June or July after his senior year. He was doing summer beach mission, uh, and uh, Meredith went down for Parents Weekend. I had a wedding to do here, and uh, Daniel had gotten a tattoo, and I didn't know about it, and we were still supporting him that summer, and judiciously, I give him credit for this, he got a sleeve around his thigh that you could hide with a bathing suit. So it was not visible. And um, Meredith found out about it. It's a great story, actually. But the long and short of it is she had him call me. He said, Dad, I have something to tell you. And I said, yeah, what is it? He said, I got a tattoo. I said, tell me about it. So he told me about it. And I said, you're off the payroll. He said, I know. (laughs) We're both persistent, as I said. But Daniel's persistence, I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's in special forces training right now, because he's persistent. Persistence can be a really good thing, and persistence can be a not-so-good thing. It depends on where your persistence leads you. See, we can be persistent in rebellion, persistent in pursuing our own way and our own thing, away from the Lord. Or we can be persistent in our pursuit of the Lord and in our prayer life in asking and seeking and knocking. But when we're persistent in seeking Him with a pure heart, we see God. we find incredible love, incredible grace, incredible strength amidst the pain and the struggles and the challenges of our lives. And we find incredible joy. And it begins at the cross. Because of a son who said... Daddy, not my will, but your will be done. And Daddy, into your hands I commit my spirit. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Please bow with me in prayer. So often we seek our own way, Lord. And so often we want immediate gratification, our way. And yet, 
through your son Jesus you reveal the depth of your of your love as an incredible father a daddy who loves us a daddy who sent Jesus for us who died on a cross for our sin for our persistence against you so that we might find you and seek you and be transformed by you. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us that we might be cleansed and transformed renewed by your Spirit that we might seek you with a pure heart and daily come to you as our loving Father, our Daddy, to find what we need. And when we don't, immediately find it to pursue you and to be persistent and to rest in you. For you are our Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.